0: Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Inks, your local YA Tipsy Book Podcast. Well, I think that's the fastest you've ever said. <laughs> I, know. I keep trying new things. You know, I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> um, did I say book this time? I didn't think of listening to myself. I think you said book. Yes. <gasps>
1: I'm so proud of myself. Okay. Good. We're not drunk teenagers. I'm, I'm Julia <laughs> I know. Um. So, what are you drinking? How was your week? We're starting with me again. I know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm drinking a uh, Coterone, which is a combo of Grenache and Syrah grapes from that wine box that I ordered. How many months ago now? Still <laughs> slowly working my way through it because I never buy alcohol, as we know. I mean, maybe that's what I need to do considering I'm out of alcohol. <laughs> I mean, probably a good idea. They're pretty cheap bottles. Okay. Link me later. <laughs> okay. I might get some <laughs> referral money, so I definitely will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, so drinking that week's been good. It's been a little hectic trying to uh, get organized for Skyla's first week of school, which is starting on Thursday this week. So I'm a little. That... Wait, does school really start this early? hmm
0: Yeah. What? Yeah. I feel like it never used to start until after my
1: birthday. I guess California is just different. Well, I think it depends different. where in California too. I'm guessing for whatever um, reason we're on farm schedule, because normally it starts uh, early in farm places. Because like, but we're a farm place too. Maybe it depends on the type of farm. I don't know. <laughs> True, that That's just true. what my dad keeps saying. Dairy, and dairy farms are just different. <laughs> right, dairy farms hit different. Um, no, it was yeah. it's what my dad said, and I'm just choosing to run with what my dad said. Okay,
0: I mean, that feels like the most logical conclusion because
1: I don't really know what else, how, maybe, no, I really don't. Because I feel like so LA to schools are gonna start later, so I don't really understand either, but whatever. Oh, God. okay, but that's basically been my week, just a lot of stress about about school starting and getting a lot of work done and in the in between cracks. Um, How is your week going? What are you drinking?
0: I'm drinking a Blue Moon because I am out of wine and all other alcohol because I was relying a lot on my parents, as it turns out. (laughs) Um, I have not gone to the wine store in a while, so I really am out. But my week is good. Um, I had my, my, uh, I want to call it my final internship presentation, but I'm still doing the internship through December. So it was just like the end of the summer part of it. Um, Oh,
1: was it that pretty PowerPoint you showed me?
0: Yeah. I ended up changing it though. So it looks even better now, completely different and in the app brand color. So I like really hit it on the nail, I think. Um, that was fun though. I got an award, they gave out four awards, which was a nice one for most agile for being good at learning new technology, which felt kind of, that was like a nice morale boost because- Killing it. No one ever believes me when I say I can learn new technology really fast. I believe you.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I also can't pay you anything, so it doesn't mean anything. I know,
0: (laughs) it does not, but thank you anyway. (laughs) Um, and then I have a cocktail reception for, um, the end of the, so quote unquote program on Tuesday, which I've been stressed over because I don't own any good dresses anymore. (laughs) I got rid of so much clothing and like all my good pieces are kind of like outdated now. Mm. Um, so I'm wearing something that I hope works, but it's not what I would like it's against fashion people so it's like even more stressful this is why the fashion industry is so tough dressing for it is just yeah headache can't relate um but (laughs) um yeah i feel like nothing else exciting has happened uh i was just saying before the podcast i watched three and a half hours of troy with my father brad pitt as achilles which was Really fun. It wasn't actually bad. It was just really, really long. Yeah. Um. But the cast is so good. But yeah. of course, my father, being his nerdy self, had to sh- pick out all the incorrect details and plot changes in the movie.
1: <laughs> I love your and father we talked so about, much.
0: I know. And then we po- talked about the Song of Achilles. Cause he had just finished that. And he's telling me all about the wrong things in that book. Although he liked Song of Achilles. Not the Oh, end, that's, I was like, going
1: to say, you were saying that it. when I was away from but, my microphone, but I was yes. going to ask how he felt about it. I haven't read it yet, but I own it.
0: Well, he, I think it has his endorsement. He doesn't like the end. There's something she kind of has her own twist on. There's a couple twists. One which is kind of hinted at in the Iliad, I guess, and that's what he was talking about, and then there's another twist towards the end which he was like, I don't think I really like this, but I think otherwise he liked it. I liked it, but I haven't read the Iliad, so
1: I well, <laughs> don't have much to compare it to. and And that's why I haven't read song of achilles because i want to finish want to read the iliad the first, first. Mm-hmm. and like i started it because if you remember back in february i was supposed to be taking that class i remember this, this the Iliad, list. and then i was like ain't nobody got time for a fucking ivy league class while i'm parenting and working hell no this, yeah. this has to fall by the wayside plus it only cost me like 20 bucks so i did not feel that bad about that sunk cost um But I still, I've now started the Iliad. It's just sitting on my coffee table downstairs, like, waiting to be read. So until I finish the Iliad, I'm not allowed to touch Song of Achilles, and I have bought some other books to help me cry if I want to have a good reading cry in the meantime. Uh, Like, I bought It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover because everyone on TikTok just bawls whenever they read that book. So I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, great we'll start with that one if if i if i need a good cry. And you know who really needs a good cry? August. And he probably does need Kate. A good
0: cry. Honestly. Actually they
1: both. They can cry together. They
0: can console each other, share traumas.
1: Yeah, they're not quite there to like opening up to each other <sighs> right. about their shared traumas yet, but uh they they definitely both need to like let out some emotion in a positive way. And I think crying is a positive way of expressing emotion. It personally. is. It's uh, healthy to cry. It is. I do it at least three times a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: it gets questionable at a certain point. But yes, it is still healthier. I, I don't
1: just like start crying. I cry at books or TV shows or movies. That's so. fair. I cry over books all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like constantly sobbing over media. It's just very normal for me me too oh god so should we should we get into it julia chapters four through six of verse two of this savage song by let's Victoria do Shaw. it all right we're gonna have a little bit of whiplash in these chapters, <laughs> just a bit but i'm i'm a really bit. excited to we're gonna get into
0: it. to it though it's it's happening a lot more <laughs>
1: And it, it's, I think it feels, honestly, I think it feels more whiplashy because we're reading it in such short bursts. It would yeah. probably be a little bit less intense if we were just sitting down and like slamming through the book. But That's probably true. But we're not, so it's okay. Uh, okay, so I'll kick us off with verse two, chapter four. Nice, short little chapter. So Kate is trying to figure out how she sort of feels about herself and Freddie and realizes that there's something about Freddie, AKA August, right? That allows her to be truly herself and not the veneer that she paints on for the rest of V city. But she knows that the jokey sweet Kate isn't meant for her current situation. She then switches to trying to figure out who he is since he like her, she gets the sense doesn't really belong in the community that they're in. She pulls him up on the school directory, noticing his strange picture and not quite understanding why it's different from the rest of the students. Then she takes to the Internet, trying to find him on their version of social media or news articles, but can't really find anything. She writes down his address and then heads to her dad's office. She confirms her dad isn't in there and keys in the code to his office, which she recorded on video when he wasn't paying attention snaps for kate she goes through the ledgers um which note all the people who are under harker's protection and while she sees paris gallagher's name at the same address that august lists in in the school directory she doesn't see freddy's so doesn't understand how he has a medallion her father clears his throat and walks in asking what she is doing she lies saying she is looking for an irritating girl at school's name she tells him that she knows she should have waited till he got home, but didn't know when that would be. She notes he didn't think he left the room unlocked, and she says that he didn't as she walks out, which is a bold choice on her part. Uh, and then as she's walking away, she ponders what Freddy is hiding and why he is using a fake name.
0: I love her sass at the end. Oh, it is.
1: So good.
0: Ugh. Love it's it. so good. I, it's so refreshing. So, verse 2, chapter 5, we switch to August, who is holding Philip still, covered in Philip's blood. He was attacked by a corsai, and August and Henry are trying to tourniquet... I can never say this word. word tourniquet the wound tourniquet, and stop the yeah. blood
1: flow.
0: <laughs> August has... Had- been doing homework with the kolkade and it was an ambush someone had told harker where the ftf would be monitoring monitoring his corsai came out and his corsai came out to play four died and philip was barely holding on henry and emily get him drugged up and stitched up leo is trying to insist that they move against harker for this insult and henry tells him not to bother him while he needs to do more work on philip august intrinsically notes that humans are too fragile for this monster fight but with only three sunai they can't wage war, a war alone. So they focus on stemming the tide of sins, which create more monsters, but the cycle of violence is never ending. August lets go of Philip and describes the 19th floor they are on, which is the medical facility and an interrogation chamber, nothing else. Henry asks where the informant is, and he was a cousin of someone in the FTF who sold info to Harker, tried to flee to North City, and then Harker sent him back. He shot a man in the FTF when, when coming back, and confessed everything to leo once captured leo says he is guilty and they go to fetch ilsa so she can eat which is such a weird way of putting it
1: i don't know how else to put it i know i know i guess
0: (laughs) no but it's it's what it is it's eating. exactly august doesn't understand what makes men break inside to do things like this and ilsa notes how heavy the man's soul feels as she goes into the cell august stays to watch since ilsa reaping is beautiful like everything else she does leo tells august that henry is a fool to not let ilsa leave the compound calling her the angel of death leo starts talking in riddles saying august needs to know things that henry has been keeping him in the dark about and asks august if he knows how many stars ilsa has on her skin august doesn't but leo tells him and august realizes it has been six years since ilsa went dark which coincides with whatever incident ended the Territory War. Leo confirms Ilsa created the Baron, and August is a little scared, because if she has the power to level a city block, that is way worse than anything he is capable of. He talks about what it is like to go dark, that everything blends together, innocence and guilt, and everything perishes together. Leo calls it it a-culling. Leo keeps going, saying her confinement was part of the truce, But maybe the North needed to be reminded of why the truce exists. And August hates hearing Leo speak about Ilsa that way, saying she isn't a tool. Leo responds that they are all tools. Ilsa starts to hum, her only instrument used being her voice. Leo says one day August will see Ilsa's true voice. August turns away to leave, feeling ill and tired. And he goes to Henry, saying they have to do something. But Henry and Emily don't really want to talk about it. Emily telling him he needs to have some rest. It's a school night.
1: Leo definitely is a
0: tool. Yes. I, he has ex- fully accepted that he is a tool.
1: And I mean oh, it in the like negative in the other way.
0: Other way. Okay. Like an asshole. That's He's a funny. tool. <laughs> I have not heard that word used in so long. <laughs> he is a tool. Um, so verse 2, chapter 6. Kate meets August at the bleachers again and sees how rough he looks. Like he had a really bad night, which he agrees to. She doesn't understand what kind of junior sits around reading Plato and wishes she could get their easy silence back. She tells him she pretended to have a stomach ache to get out of P.E. She moves her hair and he asks about her scar. Normally, she doesn't say the truth, but because it's August, she admits it was a car accident. He notes they all have their marks and she touches one of his tallies, but he shrugs it away, leaving her wondering in her head who he is. He asks if he can tell her a secret and then admits he has never seen a forest up close and grabs her hand and heads towards the forest. She thinks it is wild he has never seen trees before and she prods for details on his family. He admits his dad is a surgeon and his mom is from Fortune rather than Verity but got trapped when the borders closed. She asks about siblings and he says he's the youngest and she confirms she's an only child. The bell rings, but they continue to stay sitting in the forest. August pulls out an apple and passes it to Kate to take a bite, then passes it back again. She notes he never takes a bite. She asks if he has ever seen a monster and he says yes. She admits her dad keeps a Malkai as a pet and agrees with August's statement that cats are preferable. She continues to doubt what she's seeing about him and wants the truth, not the lies she thinks she's getting. As she walks down the hall later, she hears a violin and follows it hoping it is Freddie, but it is just the orchestra kids. After class gets out, she asks the kid in orchestra if Freddy is in their class, but they have no idea what she is talking about. She finds him at his locker and he says he keeps finding forest debris on his clothes, which she notes she brushed off because she didn't want people to get the wrong idea. It takes him a second Takes him a second, but that makes him blush. She asks why part. he didn't bring. I love it too. She asks why he didn't bring the violin and why he isn't in orchestra. He t- tells her he brings it sometimes to practice in the soundproof rooms because his walls are too thin at home. She tells him he has to play for her, and he says no. She says he cannot say no because she is a harker, which makes him laugh that she actually believes the city revolves around her wishes. He has a death wish. She thought He he thought she was better than this attitude, but guesses he was wrong, which makes her furious. She says she will figure out whoever he is, and at that moment, Colin bursts in and grabs Freddy along. Kay is furious and takes another one of Dr. Landry's pills, getting mad that she let her calm shell crack in front of Freddy. She storms outside and starts to try and light a cigarette, but is reprimanded. She's August with his friends heading out and notices that the girl tries to take pictures of the group and August keeps deflecting like in his school photo. All of a sudden, she thinks monster in relation to him, which she knows is paranoia, but it fits all the puzzle pieces she has identified so far, specifically that he is a Sunai. She pulls out her phone and snaps a few pictures of him from from a distance and then climbs into her car once they pulled away she looked at the phone swiping through the pictures nervously until she saw the black smudges where her eyes should be and she, she realizes for certain for certainty he is not
1: human and that is the end so much going on even though really nothing happens yeah. but like it but. feels like a lot it's the way that it ends that got me, and I was like, "Oh no, August, you slipped up, not on purpose." He can't not help the purpose, picture thing. He was trying to be sneaky But yeah, like the ID card. He part. shouldn't
0: have been socializing. He should have made her an enemy just to watch her from a distance, not, not get
1: involved. But he finds her compelling. I. The power of love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's what I would call it between the two of them. I would maybe go with not the power not. of friendship, <laughs> at least for now. Because there's hey, nothing you can love and friendship. You can, but it's like nothing about their vibe yet is like romantic. <laughs> also, <laughs> remember they are not the same species. <laughs> nope. Oh boy. Uh, okay but before we get to the whole monster reveal which i'm sure we'll talk for ages about let's go back to chapter four julia what are what are your thoughts on chapter four i didn't have a whole lot i mean
0: it's really just kate kind of figuring out that she likes talking to freddy um but that she wants to know more about him which is a natural thing for anyone to want to know more about someone that they get along with especially for someone like kate normally get along with anyone right um it's like part of me wanted to say that she was being a little bit much kind trying to like dig through private you know basically government files to find out more about him but like let's be honest if any girl using a dating app had access To the things Kate has access to, they would 100% be doing the same background checks on the guys that they talk to on those apps.
1: You want to make sure they're not a murderer. Exactly. Which Kate will soon realize August is a murderer. Is a
0: murderer. (laughs) So, it's justified. To be fair, so is she. So. Yes, she is. Well, but in a slightly different sense.
1: No, she killed a monster. Created from sin. Yeah, he so. killed a sinner that created a monster. Just depends what end of the cycle. What the context is.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I think it's interesting she figured it out so quickly. She basically had it in chapter four, but she didn't really have a kind of any confirmation, I think. Like yeah. it, she never talks about it but you get the idea that she's like leaning towards something that it's like this isn't right like he's she not. she's very
1: skeptical. She knows something's off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's very very smart about it. Um I still like the way that she leaves uh, when her father comes in has had me dying. <sighs> I didn't think I'd left the room unlocked. You didn't," said Kate coolly, pushing off the desk and walking out. Like, I want that confidence. Where I would does she get beat. that confidence
1: from? Beat. My ass no. would be handed to me if I talked to my parents like that. Uh, same. A hundred percent. Like. Damn. But of course he's going to be, just, like, proud of her for figuring out how to break into
0: the office. Yeah. It's interesting that, like. I mean i guess it wouldn't make sense for her to approach her father to be like this dude i don't know anything about him can't find anything online i kind of fishy to me like it doesn't i guess it wouldn't make sense to approach her father for more like to see if like he could find more information for her because like he's not going to want to deal with like petty school kids stuff but it does make me wonder like if she had gone up to him and been like i smell something fishy please let me do a background check on this dude who I don't think maybe fits in here
1: if he would have said yes or like what would have happened. So I actually think that she's doing it the way that she is a because she wants to do everything herself and like prove that she can figure mm-hmm. it all out herself. But I think there's a subconscious part of her that really enjoys Freddie and like enjoys the way that she feels around him and like how he makes her feel that she doesn't want that taken away from her without it being on her own terms and the concern is if her feelings are correct if her concerns are correct that he is not actually under harker's protection and that medallion is fake. Then her dad could follow up on that and get him removed and then she loses that like calming presence around her So I think there's a small part of her mm-hmm. that's just like Let me get all of the information I can so that then I have the control to make the decision about what I do with it That would make sense Because yeah. if she asks her father that control is taken away And They both love their own control that they yeah. do. Can we just? I'm also so impressed by her skills for like breaking and entering into her dad's. I office. know, like setting up a Ca- camera Cass to record. Would be so him. proud. <laughs> yes. It's like some national treasure bullshit. I love it. it. Really is. So, so good. I also just really wish uh, from this chapter, like clearly we can tell based on the way she describes august at the beginning that he's helping her to find herself again even if she doesn't realize that that's happening and i'm just part of me worries that she's gonna rebel against that because she's she's going to freak out that she's becoming too soft but i want her to realize that you can smile and make jokes and have fun and still be a badass like those things do not need to be mutually exclusive
0: I'm not not trying to bring up Sock again, but she needs to sit down with Jesper and have a long talk. Yes. Yes! <laughs> Why well, I would not give to see those two together.
1: <laughs> oh my god. That would be hilarious. His little Hufflepuff self would just, like, either knock her into, like, line and make her be more just, like, open to the world, or he would be, like oh shit, <laughs> and he would fall in line really quickly, like he does with Kaz sometimes. True. It's debatable. But I, it would be very entertaining to see, like, an AU crossover of the two of them. <laughs> It'd be so funny.
0: But yeah, I agree. She really, like, I think she's gonna do exactly what you were saying and is gonna fight against being soft. She doesn't want to be vulnerable. Um, exactly. And she's gonna see it as a weakness this is such a recurring theme too I haven't talked about this before it's like this idea of like a lot of YA books you have not necessarily the protagonist it could be the antagonist or even a secondary character that has a love for someone and they view it as weakness and so they like push that person out of their lives and then it causes all these other problems when they shouldn't have done that and then they realize at the end like oh like love is not weakness (laughs) and I'm like no way (laughs) (laughs)
1: like sometimes some of these characters need to read
0: YA books so that they can learn these life
1: lessons (laughs) meanwhile I feel like Kate has we're doing way too much pop culture in the general commentary but it's fine I feel like Kate has like Rin's perspective on love where she's like, yes, "That is a waste of my time. I want to go destroy some things and stab some things, <laughs> and also I have feelings for a person. They do something bad to me. Clearly, that proves love is pointless. We don't need it. Nope, all done with it. And it's like no, that's that's, very true. that's incorrect." Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, Dragon Republic is still just sitting hard on my heart right now. Uh but that's that's all I had for for chapter four. What about chapter five? Me too.
0: Um, chapter five was I like had no idea what was going on at first. I was like, what's happening to Philip? Like who did this? Like what's August doing? Well, Why is there blood? There. <laughs> Why is there blood? Um which is something that I'm still not fully used to with her writing, where, like, you don't get the details up front. You get them over the course of a few paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not uncommon, obviously, but just in YA, it's, it's like, oh, okay. It's the <laughs> You have no opposite. idea what's going on
1: until halfway through. It's the opposite of fade to black. Like, normally in YA, yeah. you get the fade to black on scenes that can be a little bit too explicit for the younger audience, but Victoria Schwab doesn't care about that. She's like, no, 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 I'm just not going to give you the details where we would normally fade to black. I'm going to start you in the black.
0: And we're just going <laughs> to jump into
1: it. That's
0: really true. Um, I was August in this chapter. I hate blood same i hate like seeing any medical thing like at all it makes me queasy and i felt for august and like the way that he's like described as just being like he like it feels like he doesn't really understand what's going on he doesn't really want to know what's going on because the more he knows the more it's kind of gonna gonna get to, him, get to and, him like that is so relatable like i know we have said this before but august for being a monster is extremely relatable. <laughs> way more than Kate is as a human. Um, <laughs> which I just... I really love that she she wrote them like that. Obviously, yeah. it's on purpose. Like, the more that we read it, the more I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, she, he goes... Uh, Blood ran into the sink and August slipped away, trying to find something, anything else to focus on, but it was everywhere, on the wall, and the counter, and the floor, a trail leading back through the door, to so the steel elevators marked with a 19. Nope. I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm like... I don't even want to read this right now. Like how did we get through any of the like the poppy war? The poppy war. Like I it I I can't even go back and read it. You just reread it. I don't know how you reread that.
1: Okay, to be fair, Dragon Republic's not as bad. Uh, but there were some scenes where Rin was doing some very explicit burning and stabbing choices. And I was like, oh, that is so much Detail! Like, when she kills, uh, spoiler alert. Okay. When she kills, uh, Chang'en, the the wolf meat general, like, between her and Noja, like, Mm -hmm. that is described in so much detail. And then when she, like, falls off the boat, and he, Noja like, pulls her out onto the beach, and then she sees, like, Daji, and there's, like, the whole... Too much detail! Too much detail at that whole battle of Arlong, and I hated... All of it. The only part of the gore that I took pleasure in, in that entire book, is when the Hesperian soldier was, um, raping the Nicaran woman, and Rin pulled him off before he could actually do it, and <laughs> used her fire to burn his testicles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah! <laughs> yeah. But yeah, otherwise, I don't know how we got through that book. It's so intense. But I remember when I first read The Poppy War, like, and you remember this too, I would text you and I would have to take, like, long breaks reading two pages. And it would take me, like, four tries to get through two pages worth of gore.
0: It was oh, intense. Maybe
1: <laughs> We're both babies. It's one of it's the reasons funny. I haven't come like back had, to like... Game of Thrones.
0: Well, I was about to say, like, I feel like I can do stuff like Game of Thrones, like media kind of um, movies, TV shows. I can do it better, I think, because I can, like, I can normally watch it, but I can also, I have the option of kind of looking away and still listening to what's going on. So I can can keep up with the plot still with Mm -hmm. a book. Like with The Poppy War, you really have have to to read read it because there are details in there
1: that you need to, like, have for later on so I think the difference uh, and from having read I've only read two Game of Thrones books so I haven't finished the series and I may be completely wrong but because Game of Thrones as a war series is so much focused on the grand scheme of things you I feel like you lose a little bit of the like personal character gore moments other than maybe like the red Mm -hmm. wedding it's not the way that George R.R. Martin describes things is not as intimate as the way Rebecca Kwong describes things, and I think the intimacy in the gore in The Poppy War is what gets to me.
0: Yeah, it's very, like, cre- It's she writes her gore in, like, a flowery
1: way, which I did not know was possible, <laughs> but women are the scariest people on this planet, and I love it.
0: Yeah, it's
1: just, very true. Just saying. We're going on a completely adult tangent on this YA podcast. We are. Uh, to, back to chapter five. <laughs> back to
0: here. So, <laughs> um, I, I don't know why, but, like, I made this note to go to, like, internalized ninth the 19th floor i don't it felt like it was important more than just in this chapter and i could be completely wrong but like it was the way that she had written 19 multiple times in Mm -hmm. like the span of like two paragraphs and i was like okay like it feels are we coming back here yeah um so that's just for me it was like okay maybe 19 is something maybe it's the number maybe it's this floor i don't really know hard to
1: tell with some authors it's hard to tell and i think victoria schwab so like holly black you can always tell when she's mentioning something that seems irrelevant that will come back right um it's very easy in the cruel prince to figure out once you once you understand her pattern and her rhythm so it's like if when you're first reading the cruel prince it may be hard to pick up on the acorn but like once you get into the wicked king you know her tricks, right? You know how she's gonna reference things. You know what to pick up on and what to look for, in in the future. And that's why I was so easily predicting things throughout that book because I could easily tell like what was gonna return in some capacity. Uh, Victoria Schwab slips in details that seem like they're going to be relevant that aren't relevant. So there's just enough red herrings that you're confused the entire time. <laughs> yeah i'm getting that vibe (laughs) but that makes it fun because then you can't easily solve the mystery all in yourself like you kind of need Mm. her help to get there so it makes it less predictable which i like true um so we'll see
0: maybe 19 is completely useless and it is a red herring which i would be disappointed about (laughs) i'm happy that we i don't know if i'm happy but i'm yeah i guess i'm glad that we got to understand ilsa's instrument um mm-hmm. i was wondering it i get okay well i'll bring this up in pop culture i'll at least have one thing for pop culture um she just she's scary she is actually really scary um but leo scares me more because in this scene even though ilsa the one who's just literally basically, like, singing this guy to death. Yep. Which is horrifying. But it's Leo who is like, we should use her and basically wipe out half the city. Where I'm like, oh, maybe we don't do that, Leo. Let's let's back up here. Take a deep breath.
1: Just a um, little bit,
0: yeah. And it kind of worries me a bit that, like, I don't know, August seems to... I don't know if he take it's not taking after Leo but like it worries me a bit that he's going to start internalizing some of Leo's like like war hunger almost mm-hmm. in the way that like at the how the chapter ends with um August leaving and like it's I think technically a different motivation than what Leo's mission is
1: mm-hmm.
0: but him saying like we need to do something something to stop the truce from breaking something to stop another war whereas Leo feels he doesn't want that, he just wants to start a war.
1: Right.
0: I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just interesting and worrying.
1: Based on the context clues we were given in the chapter, it easily seems as if August could be slightly taking after Leo in a sense that, like, he's willing to do something bad now to prevent the worst from happening, whereas Leo just wants the worst to happen, it feels like. Like, he's missing that step uh, in the middle, but... I actually had a comment around this that I wish we could spend more time at the end of the chapter on what August wants to do, like, what his thoughts are to prevent the truce from breaking, because I don't think he has the same idea as Leo. Like, he doesn't want to let Ilsa Mm -hmm. out. He... I'm getting the vibe that he wants to do something that will protect human life rather than with a disregard for it which Leo clearly has and so I want to hear more about like what his ideas and his thoughts are or if he even has a plan or if he wants to kind of develop one with Henry but I mean he has a really good friendship with Harker's daughter so maybe they could use that in some way. True. True.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll find out soon, but
1: what did you have for chapter five? Um, I really appreciated that at least August realizes that he's not monstrous like the Korsai. Like, obviously, although the Sunai are monsters in the barest sense of the word, they're a level up. Like, they're not like these creatures that have base instincts. And I just really appreciate that, you know, he's had all this angst about being a monster, being a monster, being a monster. And then he sees what the actual monsters are doing to his friends. And he's like, I'm not like that. So that little bit of self-assurance made me feel a bit more comfortable in his sanity. (laughs) Mm. Which I liked. Um, I also think Ilsa's dual personality that we don't really have a good sense of yet but that leo introduces is just really interesting uh and while obviously i already knew that she's the reason that the baron had been created it's just it's interesting to see the way leo talks about her um like these riddles almost that he uses about like her two sides which don't meet that she's the angel of Mm -hmm. death i feel just the imagery with his language language was really compelling and i'm just excited to see more of Ilsa. I love that
0: little line. The two sides don't meet.
1: It's mm-hmm. scary.
0: Like, it sounded, he made it sound like a threat, and I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're in for something.
1: Yeah, I know it really definitely did. And then the last thing I'll say for this chapter it really, really bothered me that Leo called a Sunai going dark a culling. Like, it really bothered me. And Probably I feel like the word to like to cull or like a culling is something we use a lot when speaking about things but people don't actually know what the definition of it is. So it's when you're sending something that you believe to be inferior to slaughter to make it better potentially for the rest of the population. But I think mm-hmm. that point about inferiority is really important here because if he's calling it a culling when uh, Sunai goes dark, and we learn from August that going dark means innocence and guilty alike die, that means Leo doesn't care about human life at all. He sees them as inferior to himself, so it's all for the greater good if some humans die, regardless of their guilt, and that is extremely concerning you
0: think leo would go rogue
1: i have well, I read you this know, book i yeah. can't say things <laughs> about what i well, think leo will or will not do i just want to say this superiority complex sunai supremacy mm-hmm. vibes that we're getting from leo something we need to keep in mind as we read through the story
0: i feel like he's gonna go rogue Or maybe not rogue, necessarily, but he's going to break off at, and do something that is going to lead to certain events being devastating. Like he makes a big mistake. He thinks he's doing the right thing kind of thing.
1: There's so many things I like, want to say that I can't right now. <laughs> Don't, tell, just, me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It'll, it'll kind of come out in my pop culture references, but I'll try to be as vague as possible so it doesn't okay. feel clear. Um, the only thing I'll say is, like, I, I also just want to point out that the only person that heard the confession of this man that apparently went rogue was Leo. And Henry did not uh, question him. Uh, Leo just said, he's guilty, and then they sent in Elsa. That. So, just another thing to keep in mind. See, I'm blindly trusting Leo now, too. I don't blindly See? trust anything this creep does. He freaks me I out. Know. I don't like him. I, I just don't like it when people have a disregard for human life. If you have a disregard for human life, I automatically am going to assume that you have antagonistic intentions. <laughs> Personally, because like clearly you are not here for the greater or maybe you're here for the greater good, very Grindelwaldy. Making another goddamn
0: pop <laughs> culture reference.
1: Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. I'm so sorry. Okay, chapter 6. What do you have? Um, glad that
0: we were back on the bleachers. That made me very Yay! happy. Yay! Like, this fast becoming... I hope that they continue this, like, bleachers meeting, but I feel like it's going to come to an end pretty soon, given how the chapter ends, which is really too bad. Well, maybe um, now they're going
1: to be wood buddies. Yeah. Hanging in the forest.
0: Forest friends.
1: <laughs> Robin Hood and Little Love John that. going through the forest.
0: <laughs> um i love the entire conversation that they had it was just like so nice to kind of watch them go back and forth but i was so again nervous for august because she really like as he points out part way through like she really is kind of interrogating him like it's not just an easy conversation it's nice they have an easy back and forth but like mm-hmm. it's not it's her basically like being like where are you from? Where are your parents from? Tell me all about yourself. Do you have siblings? How many? <laughs> have you ever seen a, a monster? <laughs> I love that she just like willingly is like, yeah, my dad keeps a Malkai as a pet. You know, Sloan. <laughs> <Terrifying>. <laughs> like, she's one second away from just like giving her entire life story. Why did she just like blab about that? I don't know. Because I guess
1: like if everyone's everyone honest it, around but, Sunai. Yeah, that's that too. Right? Like, she was honest about the car accident thing. She didn't mean to be. Yeah. I just... The fact that August also
0: followed it up with, with being like, I prefer cats, which is just so cute, considering, like, he has a cat now, but, like, in the moment, it also just sounds so funny. Like, his comedic relief is so welcome. <laughs> it's just so like, timely. <laughs> It is so timely. I I can understand why she enjoys August's company so much because yeah. he has this really good way of whenever they're kind of starting to get into territory which is darker, of mm-hmm. uh, sort of rack in with a funny comment or just like a different topic without making it feel forced. He's done it a couple times now, which right. I really like because um, that's hard yeah. to do um, Definitely. without making it obvious that you are like, let's not go there, right? Um. I, she really is full on stalking him, though. It's kind of funny. Like she, It's like a schoolgirl with a crush stalking. Um, the fact that she went to orchestra
1: and was like, a violin, and immediately thought, yes. <laughs> like, girl. <laughs> like, there's no one else in this school that can play the violin. Nope, just the no. one boy that you talk to. She is very she self-centered. Like, <laughs> she is. And then she
0: goes to his locker where he is, and yells, not yells, but like yells with her eyes at this other girl next to him to leave.
1: <laughs> like,
0: like, oh my god. I love it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um and then her little kind of um yelling at him at the end where she gets sort of menacing for the first time around him. For first of all, that actually was kind of scary and I think I I would have liked to have seen more of August's inner monologue during that, because mm-hmm. we don't see anything from his face visually. Um, and she makes a point of saying, like, there was, she could not understand anything that his face was saying as he walks away. Right. But also, how on earth does Colin always have such perfect timing? Like, it's kind of getting a little bit freaky. Is that just me? Because <laughs> it's twice now, like... What what is it? Uh, once uh once is a freak moment. I don't know. Two is a coincidence. Three is a pattern.
1: Mhm. Something like that. Yeah.
0: One more. Uh, I don't know. Just kind of interesting. He
1: has spidey senses for whatever. They're but, together. Yeah, honestly, because their love like, just what? sends a message out to the universe. <laughs> I know there was
0: before I realized where that uh photo was going the whole photo sequence mm-hmm. with um Colin and I don't remember what the other girl's name is that they've been hanging out with Sam Sam I thought it was so cute though because I didn't like in my mind I wasn't like oh yeah, like he can't have his photo taken my mind I was like oh my God he's like taking photos with his friends. Mm-hmm. So adorable, like he has friends. We're so proud of Um, him. He has a social life, we are proud of him. And then when Kate is like, Oh, why is he looking away from the camera? I was like, Oh no, no, August, stop, move, get away, stop now, leave. Yeah, and then we get that ending, and I was so pissed. I was like, I need to know what happens next. What's she gonna do with this information? I really, I, this is the thing with Kate, is like she's predictable but she's also very unpredictable in some Mm -hmm. ways like with this whole thing i have no idea what she's gonna do because as you said like maybe she's going to use she doesn't want to expose um august as being a monster and like still wants to have his friendship in which case she really can't expose him obviously but like maybe she's going to use him to better or to like i don't know climb the ranks is kind of like a sloan type of person to her mm-hmm. um i don't know it's just hard to say maybe she won't do anything i doubt that but
1: <laughs> well we'll hopefully know next week won't we yes true what are your thoughts my thoughts were all all over the place with this well so i just had like three kind of like main thoughts so similar to what you were saying The moments of just, like, small interaction between the two of them are my favorite parts of this whole book. Mm -hmm. Where it's just the two of them having a conversation, separate and distinct from the world. Like, sitting in the bleachers, sitting in the woods, just, or just thinking about the other one. Where, like, the rest of the story, the rest of the world and their worries don't exist. It feels so teen And I mean that in, like, Mm -hmm. the best possible way. Like, it reminds me of the things that I loved about being a teenager. Like, even everything being just, like, absolutely crazy, the world imploding around them, you can kind of just sit and focus. There's boy and girl, and they can shirk their responsibilities and just escape when they're together. And I just loved that so much. And I love whenever they have those moments, so warmed my heart a little bit uh i also thought just this was a very like brief comment when he was talking about his parents but i thought it was really interesting with emily originally being from fortune so from a different territory and then getting stuck in verity and she's never been able to go back like the borders closed so they closed which terrifying that like you can't actually mm-hmm. leave to go home to be with your family but it it's also really interesting how close we are to the establishment of the dystopian society yeah, right that's like
0: true
1: that's first generation mm-hmm. from when the borders closed mm-hmm. it's not like the hunger games or divergent or any of these other stories where they take place you know 80 90 years into the future from those events, so you don't have anyone alive that remembered the before times. Here you have people that remember the before times, and it makes for such a different method of storytelling, I feel like, because nothing's actually set in the society that they're in. It feels like it's going to be easier for them to change things and make their own way in the world, because there's still all this malleability in the future because everything's still relatively new, which I like, I feel like we don't normally get that in dystopian novels. Um, Though I I was also just thinking about that, right? That it's absolutely horrific that you basically get trapped in a foreign country and are not allowed to ever go home. And then I was just like getting in my head about what it was like for people, not nearly as bad as, again, what's happening in this book, but what it must've been like for people in quarantine Like, when the pandemic first hit, if you were trapped in a foreign country and couldn't get back to the States, or were trapped in the States and couldn't get back home, like, what that experience must have been like for a lot of people. And There's still people who can't get home because their home countries are still closed, which is scary. And then trying to, like, make a life for yourself in a place where you don't have any support Mm -hmm. or networks it's scary and it's crazy that like bits and pieces of the story are happening in our real world so obviously she didn't have that in mind when she (laughs) wrote this no she did not (laughs) but it's crazy to think how those like elements of dystopian society are so easily going to actually happen in the real world when something major happens and so i just That was interesting. Wanted to chat about it for a second. And then the last, again, this is more like just a storytelling thing that I really appreciated. It's really interesting to hear about Kate's investigation, like from her point of view, specifically her like grand investigation to figure Freddie slash August out, because it's very rare, and especially in YA books, I feel like it's very rare that we have more information than the main character least we haven't in the books that we've been reading in those like first person povs and even in multiple povs like six of crows you don't have more information than the main characters you don't actually know what's going to happen but here we do have more information than kate because we have august point point of view so you get like mysteries layered within mysteries and there's one that we already know the answer to, but there are other ones that we don't know the answer to. And so, like, the layers of the storytelling that are happening here are just super fascinating. And I think can be really tricky to pull off, but I think Victoria Schwab is doing it really well with how she's layering the dual POV.
0: And it can be tricky, too, because, like, if you know one of the characters already knows and let the audience knows everything the other character doesn't it can be very easy to just breeze over the process of that other character figuring it out and being Mm -hmm. like kind of like taking cheat steps to get to that
1: point she's being very very meticulous right like we're almost halfway through the book and she's just now figuring that out exactly um yeah i just i think that it's a uh, the layered storytelling that's being done here is really well done, and I just wanted to acknowledge how well Victoria Schwab has been doing that.
0: Will we ever get through a podcast episode of this book without, like, praising Victoria Schwab for actually no, writing decent white No,
1: because she's <laughs> awesome. I, mean, love her. Oh, I love her. I She's not everyone's cup of tea, and I totally get that with her writing style, but I love her she's one of my favorite authors like i just and i've only read two of her books and this is one of them but you know what she can do very little wrong in my eyes it her writing style just really works for me she can sometimes be heavy-handed but you know for the most part i love it all anyways that's all i had for chapter (laughs) six should we get into pop culture
0: yeah i didn't have much but i'm guessing that you have a lot I have have some. Not much for chapter four, though. Did I have have nothing for for chapter four. (laughs) No.
1: Okay. So. Go ahead. No, no. Go. I was going to say, both of mine relate to Kate's weird research kick trying to figure out (laughs) who August is. So, uh, the first one like, the fact that she's doing all this research, doing all this research, and then can't find anything at all, reminds me a lot of You, the book and the TV show, uh, where, so Joe is an internet stalker, and he, like, then also stalks people in real life, so he does this to this girl named Beck, but Beck is not an internet stalker, she's a normal <laughs> person, but she, like, meets Joe and is kind of intrigued by him, but wants to find out more about him before she really, like, gets involved with him so she tries to find him on the internet and he is like nowhere to be found which she finds very very strange and then she asks him about it and he's like yeah I just don't like social media I prefer to keep my life to myself and she's like okay yeah sure makes sense but really she should have probably questioned him more about that because he was a stalker and murderer, and the reason he didn't want social media is because he didn't want anything to trace back to him. So, the fact that Kate's like, "Mm, he doesn't have any social media, but she's actually realizing that that's weird, is good, because that's better than what the girl in you was like. Everyone has a digital footprint, even then and now. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it reminded me of that show, and then it also reminded me of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, Rebecca and Valencia in one of the episodes of that show they're they're both ex-girlfriends of this guy named Josh and Josh gets a new girlfriend who's played I think her name's Anna played by Brittany Snow and they are trying to find out information about her because they see that Josh like posted a pic with her and so they go in this like two day long like internet spiral trying to find out all this stuff like buying background search reports on her and like Oh my god! (laughs) Making fake profiles to like send to her so they can get accepted to her private Instagram account. All of this stuff, and Brittany Snow sings a song about it, pretending to be her like internet persona, and the song's called "Research Me." And so she's like, her internet self is continuing to prompt them to like research her more and research her more until they can find everything out about her. And so yeah, it just reminded me of that song. That's funny. I feel like this book has some really good ties to Crazy ex We
0: Read a couple of them now, actually.
1: I know. I'm. I'm glad I'm able to use my intimate knowledge of that show that I've watched like three times <laughs> for good use. That's all I had for chapter four, though. What about chapter five?
0: Um, I with ilsa the way that they were describing her as being kind of like beautiful person like an angel but the angel of death kind of stuff reminded me Mm -hmm. a lot of an american horror story which i'm guessing you've never seen (laughs) hell no uh one of the uh seasons called coven um is there's a character named misty It's been a long time since this aired, and I have not gone back to rewatch it, but I remember Misty was, like, super... She was a... I I don't know if she was necessarily a witch, but she had magical powers. She herself was very, very, like, kind of, like, I don't know the best way to describe her. She was just kind of, like, a hippie, kind of, like, just go with the flow, like, head in the clouds, like kind of ilsa-ish in that she's just like happy to be around here but Mm -hmm. not necessarily very grounded um but her magical power if you want to call it that which someone's probably gonna yell at me um was basically that she could bring people back to life um which wasn't always necessarily a good thing that you wanted to bring someone back to life um so while she seemed like this good kind of just like Person who didn't cause a lot of harm she was actually she could be very very scary (laughs) um so i don't know it just reminded me a lot of ilsa which the way that i got there though was because i was thinking she gives me very like stevie nicks types of vibes like like in my head she's like a young stevie nicks kind of person (laughs) which is what misty's character is kind of based off of is stevie nicks so (laughs) yeah that was my thought process there um yeah see i imagine elsa
1: like an in a a very less intense like princess elsa oh well interesting (laughs) we have very
0: different ways of viewing her um yeah leo uh i got very like game of thrones vibes where he's just like you have offended me, and now we go to war. <laughs> and that's it. Like, no second thought there. Kind of like, um, spoiler, when she uh, kills everyone in the, what is it, like, the church or something? I think it's the end of, what is it? Oh, Cersei. Five, or, yeah. Where Marjorie the Tyrells, are all in, the, in that building, and she has just had it with all of them. And so she kills them all.
1: I hate. Yeah. <laughs> I hate everything about that. Yeah. I hate it all. Marjorie was my favorite character. I'm I still
0: vividly remember that cuz she was my favorite character.
1: Still not over her death. She was like one of the few Ravenclaws we had in that show. And <laughs> then they just destroyed her.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I thought she was more of a Slytherin cuz she was sneaky. She was very sneaky.
1: Yeah, but I don't think she wanted the power. Like, I think the difference is Marjorie wanted to be in a safe space and have her family be in a safe Mm. space. She did not really want to climb, but she was very, very smart to know how to climb to get herself to that safe space. She's like the perfect Ravenclaw-Slytherin combo, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, she's basically if you combined Um, the two of us into a person.
0: Yeah, exactly. She was such a good character, and I remember being in denial after that episode, and I was like, no, they're going to
1: bring her back. Like, this is stupid. Like, it's just... I legit thought they were going to bring her back. I was like, she's not dead. She's not dead. She warned everyone, and she got out, and it's okay.
0: Exactly. Nope. I think it was also because that was the point where everyone was like, if you don't see the character die in the show on screen they're not dead and I was like okay we didn't really see her die we did not see her body go up in flames
1: well so it's funny because like we clearly saw Catelyn Stark die yes right but like in the books she comes back to life and that whole plot point they cut from the tv show we didn't get Lady Stoneheart in in the tv show because she's like a walking zombie or something i don't know i haven't read that far in the books i just know that that happens but uh, game of thrones it was such a letdown it could have been so much more you could have
0: been better anyway (sighs) tangent over that was my pop culture for this chapter what was yours okay
1: i'm gonna do my two twilight ones first even though they're a little bit out of order So, well, the first thing where August's like, I hate blood. Uh, no, I don't like it. It's just very Bella in in Twilight where she's like, I can't be around blood. I get sick. The smell of it, it smells salty and I don't like it. (laughs) And Edward's like, you can smell the blood? And she's like, yeah, and it's gross. It just... It reminded me of that. And then Henry with, like, him needing to, like, stitch everyone up and try to get everyone out of his workstation and just, like, really focus on the body. I was getting Carlisle vibes. Hmm. Like, when he needed to work over Bella um, in New Moon. When she had her, like, giant paper cut that turned into, like, a head wound or whatever. Uh, (laughs) I don't really remember the details of that dinner party. I would not remember that, but... (laughs) <laughs> well, it's her birthday party, and she gets a paper cut from opening, this is based off the movie version, but she gets a paper cut from opening, like, a present, and oh she's God. like, oh, paper cut. A paper cut. And then Jasper tries to destroy her, and everyone gets in a fight, and Edward, like, flings her behind him to protect her, and she, like, hits a picture frame, and the glass, like, shreds open her head.
0: Oh, my God. And then
1: all of these hungry vampires are like, hee, 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 and then Carlisle takes her out and stitches her up. Oh, God. Twilight. Great times. Uh, horrible times, actually. What a bad, what a bad book series. i reference it way too much, but I can't help it. It lives in my head, and I wish it paid I for mean, it. I mean, I have one for the next chapter, so but... So do I. 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 I'm sure we have the same one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. um, the, So... This is probably a spoiler for the Remnant Chronicles, which I finally finished. So I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the Remnant Chronicles for anybody, but they came out in 2016. So that's really on you. Uh, But in book one. So it's a very complicated book. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of different characters. But there's two kingdoms that we need to know about for this pop culture reference. There's Morrigan and Venda. And Venda are... In book one, they're the bad guys and Morrigan are the good guys. And Leah is the princess of Morrigan and she's like the narrator of, of the story. Okay, um, In book one, Prince Walter, her older brother, who's the crown prince, his entire regiment is massacred by the Vendons um, and only two people survive. One boy that was like homesick and one boy that was able to pass along the message that they got murdered, um, by the Vendons. However, we learn in book, books like two, we learned in books two that it was someone that sold them out from within the Morghese government. Um, and then we learn in book three, like who explicitly it was, um, which I won't say because I don't, I don't want to spoil. But they basically sold out the prince's location to get him murdered so that they could blame the princess, Leah, for the death of her brother. Because they wanted to blacklist her, basically, so she couldn't return to the country. And the duplicity, which was unknown at the time in Book 1, is, I in my mind, reminiscent of what we're seeing here. Like, someone sold out the FTF, and it seems like this easily fixable problem. We know who to blame, we know that person is supposedly guilty... We murder him. Great, which is what they're trying to do to the princess in the Remnant Chronicles. But it is not clear how high up the food chain this duplicity actually goes, especially because we're only getting that picture told from like one or two people and not the entirety of mm. the story. So it was very rem- reminiscent of the duplicity in the the Remnant Chronicles for me, which is a great book if you like plot twists, by the way. Good book series. Nothing, like, stellar, but pretty decent. It's the precursor to Dance of Thieves, if you've heard of that book. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, And then... (laughs) I had a very different read on the whole Angel of Death situation than you did about Ilsa. Like, I it was giving me phantom of the opera vibes where you have these like two sides that don't meet and like they're not in tune with one another because you have christine's angel right who gives her these music lessons and is her benefactor and who's making her be the best version of herself and then you have the phantom who lives in the basement and is like super dark and is just murdering a ton of people and the entire story like Christine can never quite reconcile her angel of music with the phantom of the opera and those are like two warring personalities and while the angel of music is never something we can actually attribute to him because he always has that darker side on him just, like, the concept of those two different, like, the whiteness, or not the the lightness, like, the pure angel side, and then the darkness that's associated with, like, the phantom, um, reminds me of the sort of, like, fight that's potentially happening within Elsa. And then... Uh, I, as we've talked about a lot already today, I finished my reread of The Dragon Republic, and especially in that book, there's a lot of talk of culling the, the psych, um, which is probably the only time I like can remember the word cull being used a lot <laughs> in another book. It's not a very common thing, but I just thought it was really interesting that when we think about culling in the poppy war right it, the psych cull their own so if they see a god that uh, and a member of the psych who's getting out of control and isn't going to be able to like be a part of the psych anymore they have to cull that person and put them in the uh I can never remember the name of the thing they're like Cthulhu Coric or whatever it's called I'm Yeah, the mountain. They put put him in the mountain. (laughs) I tried to remember the name. It's too hard. I can't do it after drinking wine. Um, But Leo calls going dark a calling, right? So Mm -hmm. if Rin and Alton were like in this world of this savage song, they would see a Sunai going dark. And thinking that that needs to be culled, that that action is the out-of-control action that needs to get brought under control. Mm-hmm. But in Leo's perspective, he's taking the inferior humans and wiping them out, and that is the culling. So it was just, after reading The Dragon Republic and what they think of as culling, it just was really interesting to like think about the perspective of the madman which Leo is giving us in this story, because I can imagine that a god like Phelan in the Dragon Republic probably sees his chaos activities as an appropriate culling of the human populace because they're all inferior to him rather than himself needing to be culled.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah, that was a really long-winded one, but I just... (laughs) That was a good one, though. Two different uses of the same word coming from different perspectives, and it was just really compelling to kind of like think through it. Chapter six. I got this, I think it might be like a bit of a stretch, but I for some reason.
0: I, I have so many stretches, Gansey.
1: Julia. Come on.
0: <laughs> I kept thinking about Gansy and Blue, like their interaction and going into the force I think because like the force is so obviously a big part of that series mm-hmm. um, but it was also just the way that they were kind of I don't know like talking I guess felt very Gansey and Blue where like it was more like August was blue in this where he's changing the subject he's like let's not dwell on these like really dark thoughts Let's just, you know, lighten the mood. Let's talk about us. Like, let me introduce myself to you. Obviously, this is considering after Gansy and uh, Gansy and Blue have kind of like become friends, mm-hmm. um, right. <laughs> something more. <laughs> um, but there, it, I don't know why. Like, it just like feel, felt so reminiscent of their interactions at the start of their thing. I don't really know what to call Gansum Blue. <laughs> At the start, of their uh, platonic nah, uh, I don't
1: know. Or they were still a little bit on edge with one another. Like, they would have these conversations. Yeah. They were getting to know each other, but they weren't their romantic selves. They weren't quite comfortable exactly. around each other. And they still had preconceived notions about the other, which would influence the conversations that they were exactly. having. I can see that. I think both of them are much nicer than August and Kate are, but I can I can see that. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that was all that I had actually for chapter six. I didn't have a whole lot.
1: I thought you had a Twilight one. Oh well, the Twilight one,
0: obviously, was like the one where she's like. Ask him up again locker is like, I'm gonna figure out who you are and then later on it's like, Oh my god, he's a monster Remind me so much of
1: like Twilight being like, I know what you are, what am I? Say it out loud, <laughs> You're a vampire <laughs> so I was actually thinking it because she hasn't had the conversation with him yet about being a Sunai it reminded me more of her like weirdly intense research process that she goes through where she's like looking up all of this stuff about like vampires on the internet to see if like what she's thinking is actually true and then she goes to that bookstore in Port Angeles and she's like tries to find the weird Quileute book about about the cold (laughs) ones.
0: It really is like that, though. Except that it's all, mostly for at least with Kate, it's all in her head. Like, all the research is there, but it's the same, like, realization, like, oh my god. Well, yeah, where
1: she's, like, talking through it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me more, not of, again, not of the confrontation, but of that part in the book where she's, like, Of three things, I was absolutely certain. The first, Edward Cullen was a vampire. The second, he, a part of him, and I was not sure how strong that part, hungered for my blood. And the third, I was irrevocably and irreplaceably in love with him.
0: Oh my god, I have not missed Twilight at all. (laughs) I can't believe you have that memorized. That wasn't a perfect
1: quote, but it was pretty close. Pretty close, right? Okay, to be fair, the reason I read Twilight so much in high school was because I had a version of it that I could get from my library that would be like one page, like the left hand page was the actual book and the right hand page was the SAT words and their definitions. (laughs) Because she just used a thesaurus to write the book and so there were a lot of SAT words in that book. I can't believe this. I cannot believe this. Yeah, I used Twilight to study for the SATs. That's really pathetic of me. That's one way to do it. I mean, at least you're studying. (laughs) (laughs) It was about the only studying I did for the SATs, to be honest. And then the other thing that was very Twilighty about the chapter was like from the just the setting perspective that they can't have these conversations in school. No, they need to go to the forest that's right next to school, and go talk in the woods by themselves because he's never seen trees. (laughs) That's poor kid. But like it's just like little weirdos like Edward and Bella who skip school and then go hang out in the forest. I love it. Oh my god. Okay, so that was all that you had?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, so the state- There was a statement in Chapter 6 that August, like, in a certain light, looked more like a painting than a human. Um, which, this is a stretch and I recognize it, but Alexis Bledel, who plays Rory (laughs) Gilmore in Gilmore Girls, does not look human a lot of times. She- (laughs) looks like she's meant to be in a painting like she looks like she's a painting come to life or like a greek statue or something like come to life and there's an episode of gilmore girls where they have this like festival of living pictures where all of the people dress up as port like particular portraits and then have to sit in a frame for like a minute completely still (laughs) and pretend to be a picture and she does that, and she's, like, the girl with the pearl earring, I think, is what she ends up being um, in her picture. But it's just that statement. I immediately was like, ah, oh, yes, that one Gilmore Girls episode. I cannot believe you. My brain does weird things. I don't For know sure. what to tell you. <laughs> uh, and then where Kate's, like, making the implication that she had to like brush off all of the forest debris because she didn't want people to think that they were hooking up in the woods. Right? And he's like, oh my god. It just, the idea of like them rolling around outside to do sexual things, pure cruel prince vibes, right? That's why they call it green gowning. Yeah. Very true. So she was like, I do not want to be seen as Taryn. Thank you. <laughs> Good for her. Because <laughs> she's pure Jude. Pure Jude all the way. <laughs> um, okay, and then I'm listening to The Bells by Danielle Clayton right now. And that's my, like, audiobook read of the moment. And there's this princess, Princess Sophia, who believes without a doubt that everybody needs to do every little thing that she says and she will punish them. If they do not follow what she wants. Um, Also, like King Joffrey or Prince Joffrey, right? Where they're just like, they get very angry and grumpy if like people don't do exactly what they want when they want it. And Kate's little freak out that she's like, what do you mean you won't play the violin for me? I'm a harker. You're not allowed to say no to me. And he's like, really? That's the attitude you're choosing to have? Really? Um... And then it makes her so mad yeah i was just getting princess Sophia and prince joffrey vibes because she feels like she's this entitled royalty when she doesn't he doesn't owe her anything and i'm glad just like i'm glad when other characters in other books right push back on those super entitled characters because they need to be taken down a peg and then i don't know i was just getting big warner vibes again in this chapter with Kate saying that her father taught her that composure is control. And that she needs to stay composed to stay in control of everyone around her at all times. She gets mad at herself and she sees cracks in her armor. Like, very early Shatter Me Warner vibes. Like, destroy me. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of vibes. And then, um, we already talked about the discovery mode of, like, figuring out that he's a Sunai. That being very Bella with her like watching from a distance and like taking those pictures of like august just having fun with his friends it reminded me of the cruel prince when jude's like hiding in the woods after stealing that um servant and she's just like seeing card in an and she's just like wait a minute. <laughs> And she just like watches them instead of going to do what she's supposed to be doing, which is leaving. Uh, Yeah, it was reminding me of that. And she's like, they're having fun. That's not allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's all I had. Okay, good ones. MVPs? MVPs, you go first. I'm picking Kate. For wow. this week, yeah, um, I was really impressed by how she picked the lock <laughs> of her father. Like, how she was able to, like, get in and, like, ha- break into her father's office. I thought that that showed a lot of ingenuity. And I also loved how natural her sort of investigatory skills felt whereas like when we're the other two heroines that we've read for the podcast their investigation skills um have left something to be desired between evelyn and jude i don't ever actually feel that they're that smart but kate i'm like actually damn you're putting these puzzle pieces together pretty quickly and pretty effectively so i just i really appreciated all of the ravenclaw moments that she exhibited in the uh, in these chapters. Not that she, I think she's a Ravenclaw. Because I definitely do not. But I always appreciate when characteristics of my house are on display.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, my MVP is going to Colin. Because this is now. And as I said, like, if it becomes a third time, I don't know. But this is now the second time that he has saved poor August from Kate's clutches. When things are kind of escalating to a point where it's uncomfortable for August, true. I don't know what sort of special sense he has, but it's coming in clutch so far. As long as it doesn't, you know, happen a third time, where I'm gonna get a little bit, you know, skeptical about all this. I I, I appreciated his very smooth saving skills. So, Fair okay. enough.
1: I like it. What about your uh, wine rating?
0: My wine rating? Okay. I would compare this to an Oregon Pinot Noir Rosé, where it's kind of a bit of fruity and a bit of sour cherry going on. Like, you have... Like, it's hard, right? With these wine pairings and stuff. It is. To, because I'm running out of what wines that are both kind of harsh on the tongue but also kind of sweet because Mm -hmm. that is kind of the pattern that's going on here is one chapter is fine next chapter not and the next chapter we're back to being fine again but um yeah Oregon Pinot Noir I would rate it like it would probably be like an eight out of ten Oregon Pinot Noir um what rosé sorry I should specify that Well, and Um. it works
1: really well considering August had some blood on him, because a rosé kind of looks like a glass of water that has a couple of drops of blood mixed in with it. True.
0: Watered down blood. Yummy. Yum. (laughs) What about your whining rating?
1: I don't actually feel like there was a lot of angst or whining in these chapters. Like, they were pretty to the point. August was not self-deprecating. He was like, I'm not a monster. And... The only times he felt like weird and ill were about his, you know, brother talking about casually committing genocide, which is <laughs> very fair to feel ill over. So Yes. I don't I don't really feel like there is a lot to to really comment on here. The only thing I'll say is Kate's little freaked out where she feels like she's entitled to August's violin skills and gets pissy. When he, like, backtalks her and is like, I don't owe you anything. Stop being an entitled little brat. And she's like, how dare you say no to me? So, like, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10 just for that moment. Um, But the rest of the chapters, I didn't really feel like there was any teen angst happening. There was happening. not. No. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Look at us. Great ratings. <laughs> love the constant back and forth though especially in my rating i feel like we're just like oscillating between like really high numbers and really low numbers and there's no in between (laughs)
0: yeah mine i feel like for this book have been pretty Pretty steady eight yeah yeah like i've I've never felt like it deserves a seven like seven to me is it's starting to get kind of like it's falling off a little bit Mm -hmm. eight is like where you want to be you know
1: which means you like the book which is good exactly it's not like
0: spectacular a nine or a ten but it's still very good
1: but i mean that's exactly consistent i think when i first read this book i rated it a four out of ten so like or four out of five so um an eight out of ten is like exactly consistent with where i expected Mm -hmm. this book was going to be for us my ratings unfortunately you can't do anything with to determine how i'm feeling funny
0: though they're (laughs) funny rings I really they should make a graph it. of like where they how they go along.
1: You can do that because I don't want to re-listen to all the episodes again after I that <laughs> And I have not written them down as I've gone. Maybe I maybe I will do that later. Have your mom <laughs> do it when you listen. Yeah,
0: I don't think it's through the first 10 minutes. She's like, "You talk too much." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a podcast, mom." <laughs> We're not a podcast family. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, she probably also, like, if she was going to listen, would want to hear, like, her daughter talk rather than that random girl that lived with her for three months. And I talk way too much on this
0: podcast. Well, it's also, she doesn't read these books. Like, this isn't, every so often I'll get her to read, uh, read a YA book, but it's not her genre.
1: That's fair. She should read the book I'm doing for my workbook club and then tell me her thoughts about it.
0: I think that she has it already.
1: Okay, well, tell me her thoughts about it.
0: (laughs) There's a high chance my parents already have all the latest bestsellers.
1: They live in the bookstores. Tis fair. It's why I get along so well with your family. My mom doesn't read, so I need outlets in other ways. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our incessant rambling about <laughs> non-YA books this episode. We spent way too much time talking about we did. adult war novels. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is hilarious because it's a genre neither of us read that often. But, no. Like, I mostly read romance. Like, I don't know <laughs> why I'm so fixated on war novels. But you know what? Kate just brings it out in us. She's very aggressive. <laughs> kate reads adult war novels oh 100 and she's using it to strategize she's like rid yeah. reading like *Sunset* in yes. the poppy war she's like okay is it ethically okay for me to drown an entire valley no i'm gonna do it anyway sounds fun <laughs> again sorry more popular references i need to stop Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you want to stay in contact with us, you can follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at unnecessary angst pod and on Twitter at unangst pod. And you can also email us to talk about the book that we're reading books that we have read books that you think we should read in the future books that we just randomly mention on the podcast every week um we're happy to talk about all of it you can email us at unnecessary at gmail.com and with that we will let you all go have a really great week everyone bye bye